because that's how we do things in this church. We have a finishing week and a concluding week. Um, and so uh, we are, uh, have been doing a series called Connecting the Dots. And hopefully you've been able to zone in for some of it. If you've missed any of the talks, I just encourage you. It kind of flows through each week. So I'd encourage you just to get online and listen. Uh, if you see anyone from church, just encourage them uh, to, to listen as, as we have been exploring really what um, this book is all about. We've been connecting the dots of this this book, which we gather around each week, uh, and we, we believe is the inspired word of God. It's not just words on a page, but it is God's words to the people that believe him to be the answer of it all. And, and we see that in this book that actually uh, God does everything on purpose for a purpose. Isn't that great? And that includes you. We've been looking at the idea that this is one grand story that God is, sowing, is, is telling throughout all of history and that actually God does all things on purpose, for a purpose. There is nobody that is ever on the face of the planet that is accidental and nothing is incidental. You might have been the subject of family planning or lack of family planning. You were made with purpose, on purpose. And that is God's story. That he is building a, a, a once that none should perish, that all would be part of his family. And we get the privilege of being part of that family and inviting others to be part of that family, to join this eternal family. And that's really what the grand idea of this series is about, that God is building his eternal family. And we get to step into that story as our story becomes his story and his story becomes our story. And then our purpose is to become storytellers. You know, if you're wondering what your purpose in life is, it's to be a storyteller. To tell the story of God to everyone and everyone through your story, through how we live our lives, through what we do, through what we say, actually telling the story of how Jesus has changed our lives. That's our purpose. And so each week of this series, we've been exploring a theme uh, around the idea of God building his eternal family. And each of those themes, they may come up on, there we go. And we've been doing it through God building his eternal families. We've been looking at God's marriage to his people, uh, his family. He builds his family home. Then every family has family rules. And then we looked at access to dad. And this week, we are looking at family rest. We're looking at the whole idea of Sabbath. And I want to title this message, Take a Real Rest. Take a Real Rest. So if you've got a Bible, we are just going to dive into the easiest book in the Bible to find. Genesis. It's right at the start. If you've not got a Bible, we've got some on the connect point over there. If you don't own a Bible, you can grab that and have that as your own. Uh, you can take that and that is yours. Um, but Genesis 1, and then the easiest verse to find in Genesis 1, verse 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. I'm going to try and make you giggle this morning. Is that okay? Wow, tough crowd. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go along. I'm going to read just the first uh, five verses and then jump down to the end of chapter one just for the sake of time, if that's okay. But Genesis 1.1, it'll come up on the screen. Oh, it's on the screen. Look at that. It's on the screen already. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I'm just going to jump down to verse 26, just for the sake of time. 
And then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Just in case you didn't know what creeping things did. So, <laughs> so God created... God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. And what, if you jump into chapter two, you'll know that what God does is he puts Adam into a deep sleep. And then out of uh, the, the rib of Adam, he creates woman. And so in that day, God creates uh, man and woman, male and female. He creates them in his own image. Uh, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that everything he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Just jump into chapter two. And it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because of it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Thank you, Lord. Let me just pray. Father God, I thank you that we have your word. Lord, you, you speak to us through it. And Lord, I just ask right now, wherever we are on that journey of, of knowing you, of understanding your word, of, of wherever we are, Lord, I just pray you'd come and meet us. Holy Spirit, will you do something this morning that I simply cannot do through my sermon, which is just meet each one of us right where we're at and speak deep into our souls. Lord, we do pray for the England cricket team because they are shocking right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I lost a table tennis this week at youth, which is really eating away at me. Jamie beat me, our youth worker beat me at table tennis, and England are doing shocking against Pakistan in the cricket. So God really needs to start moving. Okay, <laughs> great. Just needed to get that off my chest. Uh, we are going to laugh, okay? Do you remember the volcanic uh, eruption in Iceland in 2010? Do you remember that? Speak to me. Yeah? No? You, rem you don't remember it? Well, it, was, it brought chaos across the whole of Europe, and it grounded all the flights. And I was actually in Macedonia on a missions trip at the time. And so I was stranded. I say me. Don't judge me, but I was leading a team, and it was me and 12 women. <laughs> I tell you what. I have tasted what the depths of... No, I don't. No, no I just... <laughs> it was a challenge, that's all I can say. I don't know how I ended up leading this team. I think it was, it was like everyone else saw it coming and just stepped back and I was the only one left just going, yeah, no, I'll lead it, no problem at all. But it was me and 12 women stranded in Macedonia. And they hadn't seen their husbands for like 10 days. They hadn't seen their kids. And so I, had to t I remember where I was in this cafe and I had to break it to them, guys, girls, we're not going to get home anytime soon. And there was just wailing and gnashing of teeth and there was <laughs> snot everywhere. It was just horrific. It was just one of those moments that you just wish, Jesus, will you return now? So out of my own sanity, I managed to just arrange us getting home. And the idea was we were going to get this minibus and I'd hired this minibus with two drivers. Now, you've got to remember, it was me, 
12 women and two drivers, and we managed the only thing we could get because of like the whole of Europe had grounded to a halt, we got a 15-seater minibus. Now, if you do the maths, you've got me, 12 women, two drivers. That's a good 15. We're doing all right. But what you forget is that when women pack, they pack for stuff that could fill a 15-seater minibus. I'm not just knocking women. I think the men do it as well. We just you take everything on a missions trip. And so this trip, we, we drove 1,500 miles all through Macedonia, Albania, I'm using my geography, Croatia, Germany. We, we actually went too far north and went into Belgium and had to come back down south to get to Calais. And when we got to Calais, it was just mayhem. People were just banking their parked cars up on the side of the, uh, the turf just to run to the ferry. And they'd obviously inflated the ferry prices. So we're all paying a fortune to get home just to get from Calais to Dover. And the trip was the worst trip you could possibly imagine. 15 people in a 15-seater minibus with enough luggage to fill that minibus on its own. We had women sit on each other's laps. I spent that like 24, however many, 28 hours it was, literally sat, stood, and lying down in the aisle of the minibus for the whole journey. It was horrific. Why, why do I tell you that story? Other than the fact that I'm in a mood just to get things off my chest. But I, I just wonder how many of us live our lives overcrowded. We live our lives tight and cramped and struggling for space. Now, I don't mean physically. I don't mean in a minibus that's got too many people or in Stratford in the summertime. What I mean is that we, we live emotionally with a filled life. Our life is overcrowded. We fill our lives with stuff. We're consumed by worry. We wants our works. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. We're striving for position. We're striving for influence. We're striving for success. And you might sit there and say, no, I'm above all that. That's not me. But I would bet the temptation is there. Because I think it's something within all of humanity that actually the busier I am, then the world will think I'm more successful. How's your week been? Oh, it's been so busy. What have you been doing? Oh, stuff. What, what stuff? Uh, wasn't that important. I can't remember the stuff, but I know that it made my life busy. And we fill our lives with stuff, more and more stuff, important stuff. And half the time, we can't even recall what it was. And there's workplace and educational success that demands so much from us. The need to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, I remember when keeping up with the Joneses was actually about the neighbor opposite who got the new car. And you're like, oh, I think we need to get a new car. But now... It's keeping up with everybody on the face of the planet as you're scrolling through social media going, I need to keep up. I, I, I need to, I, gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I can't keep up with this anymore. And we fill our lives. Hello, I've shrunk. Could you just... I felt like I'd grown for a minute then. I haven't grown since I was 12. And if we're not careful, we buy into the way of the world, don't we? We buy into the rhythm that the world lives at. And instead of standing out and being a city on a hill that we believe we're called to be, we blend in and become so well adjusted to the culture around us that we fit into it without even thinking about it. To lift Romans 12 from the message version. And the technology and the, the stuff of this world that's meant to ease our life, what it actually does is it, it fills our life with even more stuff. And our free time that it was meant to create and extend gets sucked up. And we are busier than perhaps we were designed to be. That's what I want to suggest today. As we explore this, take a real rest. This idea of Sabbath. See, when God created the universe, we just read it. God created everything. 
Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, he made the glowing colours, he made their tiny wings. Some of you have now got that, in your, that song in your head for the rest of the day. All things bright and beautiful. He made everything. The first day, day and light, night and day, he creates it and he sees that it is good. See, God creates the passage of time. Light, dark. One will be day, one will be night. They will cycle into each other and it is good. But for so many of us, we fight for more of it. We try to control it. We try to delay its effects to amazingly shocking degrees. And we toil against this thing called time. And I just wonder if we miss the rhythm established by God at the creation of the earth. This rhythm that we live by. 60 minutes make up an hour. 24 hours make up a day. Seven days make up a week. 52 weeks make up a year. There are seasons. There is a cycle. There is a rhythm that God has created. And in missing this rhythm, we start to live to a beat that we were never designed to live to, and we wonder why we struggle. Have you ever noticed that God waits until the sixth day before he creates humanity? I've always wondered, God, why, why wait? It's like the crowning bit of your creation. Why not create it first, and then humanity is there and can be part of it all? And I, I just wonder, it's because God knows exactly what we're like. That if God had created humanity too soon, do you know what we'd have done? God, God, I, th- I wouldn't have done it like that. God, I, I wouldn't do it in that order if I were you. I, I think maybe you should do this first and then that. God, I'm not sure you're doing that quite right. See, humanity is so good at stepping into the shoes of God, isn't it? Taking the place of God in our own lives, being our own personal saviour. I can cope, I can do it, I'm okay. Living to the rhythm we or this world establish. And let's be honest, it isn't working. There is more stress than there's ever been. Mental health problems are on the rise. And I wonder if part of it is to do with this rhythm that we're trying to live to that we simply cannot keep up. And it doesn't work. Because God has created a rhythm for humanity to fit into. Six days you'll work. And then he creates this seventh day. And what does he do on the seventh day? God rests. God rests. In fact, that, that Hebrew word where it says in, in Genesis 2.2, it says that God rested. That Hebrew word is the word Sabbath. That's where we get that, phrase, that word from, Sabbath. And outside of Genesis 2, in the book of Genesis, it's only used in one other place. And it's in Genesis 8.22 when God comes to Noah and he's flooded the earth and he's promising Noah, I'm not going to do it again. And he says to Noah these words in in, in Genesis 8.22. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And that word cease is the word Sabbath. See, when God rests on the seventh day, he is not going, man, I just need to put my feet up and have a rest. What God is doing is actively choosing to cease from working, cease from creating. It is an active choice on the part of God, and he chooses the seventh day. Seventh day for God, but humanity is created on the sixth day. 
So God rests on the seventh day, but humanity is resting on their first day. What are they resting from? God has commanded them. Oh, let's look at what, humanity, what Adam has been called to do. God has created Adam. I wouldn't imagine he was particularly active in that process. I think probably he was more on God's part than his part. And then he creates woman, and what's Adam doing? He's sleeping. So he's hardly active in that process. So throughout the whole of the creation, of the order of creation, Adam is not even there. And then when man is created, God is doing the creating, then woman is created and man is asleep. So God, what exactly are we resting from? From sleeping? Not been doing anything. All you've told us to do is be fruitful and multiply. And it's like, that is the commandment that humanity has been really good at, being fruitful and multiplying. It's like, God, when are we going to get started on the being fruitful and multiplying bit? Because that sounds like fun. Can we start now? Oh, no, no, we can't start now. It's going to get dark. Yeah, fair enough. You create this thing called darkness. We'll let, the, we'll let that happen. And maybe tomorrow we can get being fruitful and multiplying. And God says, no, no, no tomorrow we rest. We rest. Hang on, all I've been doing is sleeping. What are we resting from? Humanity's first day was designed by God as a day to rest in his completed work. Not to rest from your work, but to rest from his completed work. Because God knows if we're not careful, we can end up living every moment like we do not need a saviour. Like everything in this life, our success, our perceived success, us achieving stuff, us getting things done, like it's down to us. And God says, I'm going to create a rhythm in this world where you need to cease and remember who I am and who you are. Because we can so easily think, I'm just too important to rest. I'm too important to stop. Life's too busy for me to take time aside. For that, 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 that's for the weak. That's for those that can't keep up. This is dog eat dog. I've just got to keep going and keep going. Because if I don't, everything's going to fall and everything's going to collapse around me. Like it depends on me. Who needs a rest? Those that need a savior. Those that need saving from something. Hello. Our actions so often speak louder than our words, don't they? And our actions so often speak, I don't need a saviour. Me getting on in this life depends on me and me alone. See, the concept of the Sabbath is not simply about getting a day off for some me time. Can I just tell you if that's what it was, then that is a curse from God. Because when you've got two kids, five and a two-year-old, having a day off, you're longing for work. So I just want to get back into the office so I can have some me time because I don't want to get up at R5 in the morning on a day off. Getting some me time is not what this is about. The idea of the Sabbath is part of the rhythm of the created order for, from the beginning of time for a way of humanity to see their dependency on God. And if you've been around for any of these talks, we're breaking each week down into three episodes. And uh, each episode is, is, uh, it builds on the previous episode. So episode one is, we're calling the God who was, and it's this prophetic picture in the people of Israel. And then episode two is the fulfillment. I, I believe that all God's promises find their yes and amen in Christ. Every single promise in this finds its yes and amen in Christ. And so episode two is the fulfillment of all of that picture in Christ. And then episode three is this, this eternity that God has for us, where episode one and episode two are just a pale reflection of that which is to come. So we've got the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. And this week, episode one, is that we're going to see this, this idea of take a real rest, is ceasing one day 
from work. That God instituted into this nation, his people at the time, this, this group of people that he called his own, the nation of Israel. He said, one day a week, you are going to cease and have a Sabbath. And if we look at Deuteronomy 5, God gives Moses this law and he writes it on stone tablets. Bless him, he has to give it to him twice because he smashes the first lot. And so God gives this, this second lot of stone tablets and he says to, he says to Moses, these are the commandments. This is the core of who you're going to be and there's 10 of them. And he says to him, uh, I am the Lord your God, you will have no other gods before me. And he says, honour your father and mother. And then directly after that, he says, do not kill. It's always made me chuckle that God decided to put honour your father and mother directly followed by do not kill. (laughs) The temptation. (laughs) And then the fourth of these commandments, God says to to Moses, he says, tell the people this. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do you see the emphasis The emphasis is seven days. And on the seventh day, you're going to cease. So six days, it says, you will labor and do your work. Do your work for six days. The direction of those six days is towards ourselves. Your work. But on the seventh day, on the seventh day, literally that, that, that phrase there that says, on the seventh day um, you shall, sorry, on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. That phrase, Sabbath to the Lord, actually literally just means a ceasing to the Lord. That on six days you're going to plow your fields, you're going to gather your crops, you're going to clean your house, but on the seventh day you cease to the Lord. Do you notice the, the balance is six days you, one day God. You need to set aside one day. To remind your soul that you exist not just because you can work hard enough and gather more crops than your neighbors or can sell more things at the market. You need to stop and take a day from extending your kingdom and instead seek God's kingdom. Not to say that the first six days couldn't be about God. The emphasis is that there's going to be one day, one day each week where there's no blurred lines, where it is about God. And this was really quite a strict law. If you look in the Old Testament, it's, uh, it's Exodus, I think it's 31.15. I don't know if I put that screen. Yeah, Exodus 31.15. It says, whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death. I mean, that's harsh, isn't it? It's like, God, I mean, I thought you were merciful, kind and caring and long-suffering. But if we don't take a day off a week and remember your kingdom, then you're going to put us to death. Seems a little bit harsh. And that's why the rabbis came up with all these laws to define what work was. There were 39 categories, and under each category, there were hundreds of laws. So each category was like, um, you are not allowed to be carrying, burning, writing, sowing, planting, reaping. And then the list went on under that. And the people just tried to find loopholes to try and make their life work. I met a Jewish man when I was in Israel once, and he he said, I get away with driving on the Sabbath. I'm like, how do you do that? And he said, well, you're, you're not allowed to drive on the Sabbath, but you're allowed to drift in a boat on the Sabbath. Okay, so where are you going with this? He says, so I put a bottle of water under my car because <laughs> then officially I'm drifting. I, just, I mean, it's just crazy that you have all of these rules and then you've got to get on with life. And so you try and find loopholes to try and say, do you know what? I don't want to die because I've got to honor the Sabbath, but how do we do this, God? How do we get away with doing this? <laughs> it's a true story. Can you imagine trying so hard one day a week to make sure you didn't break one of these hundreds of rules. What ended up happening was that the people came so careful to cease from their work that belonged to them, they failed to actually do the work that belonged to God. 
But surely, this is how my brain works. Surely if that hadn't have been the penalty, surely if it just been like, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, I won't answer one of your prayers. A little less harsh. If that hadn't have been the penalty, then the people wouldn't have been tempted to live this way. Surely, I mean, that's how my brain works. God, if you hadn't have instituted, I mean, the, the law is fantastic. You know, to have a day off a week, seek me. It's about God, okay? I need to remind my soul that's what it's about. But if the penalty hadn't have been death, then the rabbis probably wouldn't have been tempted to create all of these rules and the people wouldn't have been stuck under the oppression of this harsh system. So God, why would you give such a harsh penalty for something that these days seems such a luxury? But remember the commandment. The commandment said this, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see, what this day is about is about holiness. And I will never get tired of saying this to you, church, but God longs for humanity to be able to draw near to himself. He longs for humanity to say, I am close to you and you are close to me and we can have a relationship. But God is sinless and God is holy. And the trouble is, if you are anything like me, you are not sinless and you are not holy. And if you think you are, then let me just tell you now, as a pastor, you are a liar. And therefore, you have sinned and you are not holy. Welcome to the club. Just a little moment of being blunt there. And the thing is, if, if something that is holy meets with something that is unholy, death has to occur. And that which is unholy has to cease. In other, words, in other words, otherwise that which is holy can no longer, no longer be holy because that which is holy is tarnished by that which is unholy. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's always good when you look up and someone's in a massive yawn. See, God is holy and we simply are not. So God makes a way, makes a way for humanity to connect with him. And that is why death is the penalty for not keeping this one day holy. Because if you think that God is holy, God is right. And if you think you can have access to him by working yourself silly, by doing everything like it depends on you, then there is not a chance you will survive. Death is the verdict. But if you acknowledge and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. Then do you know what? We will willingly put down every cow and every tool back in the shed and have a day to say, God, I'm going to seek you. Because what this day represents is the opportunity for me to come close to you. And on this day, that holy day, that which is unholy can enter into that holy day. And God who is holy is there and we can meet with each other. Wow. I'll do everything I can for that moment because I need a savior. So as unholy humanity ceases from doing all the work that belongs to them and instead of trusting in their own work to satisfy and justify them, they instead trust in the work of God. Do you see how this story of Sabbath is so important to the story of God? Do you see how episode one is a foretaste, is a picture of that which is to come in Christ? That in episode one, we take a rest one day a week. But in episode two, we get to cease every day from our work. Jesus says it like this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love the message version. It says this, are you tired? Oh, yeah. Are you worn out? Sounds about right. Burnt out on religion. 
That is to say, you're exhausted of trying every possible way to prove that you in and of yourself are enough. Oh, yeah. Then come to me, said Jesus. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. You see, those hundreds of rules that the rabbis implemented were u- that were used to determine work, the demand they put on the people in episode one was just too much. The people could not cope. It became more about control than commitment. It became more about religion, the relationship to God, and the people were drowning under the weight of the expectation of what it meant to stop from working. And so Jesus comes to these very people, those that felt like they were being told to dance to a rhythm that they could not keep up with. And he says, are you tired? Oh man, yeah. Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion, are you struggling to live up to the expectation of someone you could never really be? Sounds about right, actually. Jesus, sounds kind of like my life. Jesus comes and he distances himself from those that caused the Sabbath to imprison people. And instead he says, what it should be doing is liberating you. It should be showing you the love of Jesus, the love of God that allows you to come. He says, he says, I think it's in Mark, uh, Mark 2, I think it's in it. I don't know if I put that up on the screen. Mark 2, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And he comes and he turns it all around. He says, you've made it about religion. I want to make it about a relationship. Come to me. Worn out, done in, beaten up. Come to me and I will give you a real rest. What's a real rest? That is the kind of rest that no lazy day could ever compete with. Now, I'm not knocking having days off where we physically get to rest, but the real rest that Jesus is offering us goes way beyond that. Because to be honest, I can have a really nice lazy day with my feet up watching England lose at the cricket, and then I can have a really busy, the ne- busy next day and it feels like I never had a day off. Have you noticed when you come back off holiday, you get back into work and it feels like you've not even ever had a holiday? The rest that Jesus is talking about goes beyond physical rest. He is saying, I will give you a rest that no matter how busy you are, it will sustain you, it will renew you, it will restore you. This is a real and lasting rest as you rest in his completed work. Do you see? That one day a week was about his completed work. That one day at the beginning of creation was about his completed work. The Sabbath now for us means taking moments just to say, God, I can rest in your completed work. I can boldly approach the throne of God because not of who I am, but because of who you are. So for us, it doesn't become about ceasing one day a week from our works, but an entire lifetime trusting that Jesus is not just a good moral teacher, that he was not just a nice man who did some good things to people, not that Jesus is just enough, but that Jesus and what he has done and who he was is more than enough. That as he laid down his life, he lived a sinless life, died the death that quite frankly a sinner deserved, that's the death that we deserve. And he didn't stay dead, but he rose again. And because of what he has done, we live in that victory. And so we can know what it is to have rest that feeds our souls, not just our bodies. That is 
We are accepted, we are loved, we know forgiveness for all of our days, no matter how big a mistake you can make. Scripture says, though a righteous man falls seven times, still he will rise. That word, the, the number seven in the biblical narrative is complete. Though you may fall monumentally and completely, his completed work can say to you, rise up. There's no staying down there. You rise up. Because I have done it. Not your ability to do or not do. I have done it. So the question is not, are you finding 24 hours in a week to stop? Guys, tell you, I would not be a man of integrity if I stood here and said, right, blanket rule, we all need to have 24 hours where we stop. I'm not saying it's a bad practice. In fact, I think it's great. If that's what you need to do, then do it. But I'm not sure that's what it's actually all about. I think it's about living to a different rhythm. As I've been praying this week, and I've been challenged by this message, because do you know what? I, I probably stop less than I should. And for me, sometimes when I get into this book, it's like, God, I just got to read some today, because I'm told that as a pastor, I'm meant to, right? There's a chapter done. Great. Let's go. Right. Let's start. Honestly, that's what I can be like. But I wonder if we're called to live to a different rhythm. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus slept, the rest of the world was awake? And when Jesus was awake, the rest of his world slept. When they're in the boat and it's the storm, the disciples are fretting. They're wide awake in panic. And what's Jesus doing? He's curled up asleep in the boat. And when the disciples decide, I can't stay awake. It's far too late. I'm exhausted. They fall asleep. And Jesus is in that garden on his own awake. Jesus lived to a different rhythm than the people around him. And those of us that follow Jesus, we're called to live to a different rhythm than those around us. And instead of surrendering our rhythm to the, world, the way the world determines, maybe we're called to be holy, to be different, to live differently, to be set apart, to work six days hard. Oh, do you know what? Some people, this message is the scariest message to hear because it's giving you license to stop and cease. But actually what God's saying to you this morning is, God, you need to get on with some work. You know, we should be able to enter business places and go, where's the Christians? They're the ones that are working the hardest. They're the ones that are serving the best. They're the ones that are saying, what can I do? How can I make this place a better place for everybody to work in? We should be able to spot the Christians in our workplaces. Oh, I can't go to work. Oh, wish I could just do like ministry for God 24 hours a day. It'd be so much easier. Can I just tell you I do that? It's not easy. You get the privilege of being around non-Christians. Wow, what a privilege that is. And we should be able to spot the Christians who are shining brightly in our workplaces because we work hard. But we should also be able to spot the Christians because they know how to rest. They know what it is to cease. And we're not going back to some Old Testament law. We're not looking for ways to determine what's work and what's rest. This, this rhythm that God established was way before the law. This was way before Abraham, way before Moses. This was at the very sta uh, start of creation, the very beginning of this book, when God says, six days you'll work, six days you'll do stuff to feed your belly, but one day you're going to feed your soul. How are we feeding our souls? How are we finding those moments to feed our souls and give our souls rest and nourishment? How are we reminding ourselves that, Jesus, what you have done is enough? And I don't think that needs a block of 24 hours. You know, for me, is, I, I, in my mind, I, the way I work, I, I'm not paid for a Sunday morning. My working hours for, the, for this church are Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the minute I start thinking I'm employed on a Sunday, I lose it for me. And this is something that I have to do for my own life. 
That when I'm serving on a Sunday, I'm serving alongside my family. I'm not getting paid to do a job. I'm saying, God, I need this. My soul needs this. I need to serve. I am not the most important person in this church. You are. I need to get down and dirty with everybody else that's serving because nobody else in this place is paid to do what we do on a Sunday morning. Even though we get up early, we get this place prepared for people to encounter Jesus. We get home late and then we crash out on a Sunday afternoon going, I am exhausted. I need that for my soul. We need to find the ways and write it into probably what you're already doing in your life to say, I need Sabbath moments. I need moments where I am ceasing, I am stopping, and I am acknowledging who you are and what you have done. I need to feed my soul. I love it. There's a passage in 1 John 1, 2, one of my favorite passages. It says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. You'll be in good health, and you'll be in good health because your soul is healthy. Oh, we can spend hours trimming up in the gym. But how many hours are we spending to feed our soul and nourish our soul? Because John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying, Oh, you, you, you might be phys- think you're physically well, but if your soul is not flourishing, if you're not feeding your soul, there's not a chance. Church, do we intentionally feed our souls, that part of us that connects with God, that part of us that God speaks into and challenges and changes and reminds us that we're chosen, that we are part of his? Do we listen to that voice or are we so busy? It's like, God, I've just heard you speak, but I've got to crack on right now and I'll come back to that in like three hours time and I've got a moment. Do we stop long enough for his kingdom to impact our kingdom? Allowing those six days of our kingdom to be impacted by the one day of his kingdom. Not just reading his word, but ceasing and reading. Oh God, I've done really well this week. I got through four chapters today. He's like, yeah, but what did I say to you? No idea. Not a clue. But I got four chapters done. Sometimes I can't get past one, one verse. In fact, those moments where I stop and I say, God, will you just speak? I get to Genesis 1-1 and I'm like, in the beginning, God. I'm like, wow, I can't get past that. I just need to ponder that now. I just need to cease and have a Sabbath moment right now in the beginning, God. Are we ceasing long enough to serve each other, to gather and celebrate his story and feed our souls with that story to such a degree that it becomes our story, that his love for us gives us a greater capacity to love those around us? For me, that's Sabbath. For me, that's what these moments are about. And it does mean physical, practical changes, tangible things. Like taking, I've lost it. I mean, it's a gift from God. I've lost my phone. But that device that's so, probably, how many in the room have a mobile phone? Well done, Colin. I like you even more. No. Oh, you do? Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying no. So I think, uh, should we say 100% of people in the room haven't got a, have got a mobile phone? Do you know there is a universal thing on a mobile phone? Can I just borrow your phone for a minute? There's a universal thing. I think it's regardless of the device, I think. But if yours is different, do tell me. But there's this little button that you can press. And if you hold it down, it does a wonderful thing. And it turns it off. It's an amazing feature on these phones. For some of us, we need to actually say, do you know what? I, I need to turn that off sometimes. Because my need to respond to it immediately needs to remind me that it, their problem is not going to just be solved by me stepping in and being their champion. I, I need to feed my soul. 
And maybe for some, it's that social media platform and the rhythm of swiping where we see so much of how the world does stuff, it impacts us and we wonder why we're filled with anxiety, with worry, with fear. Because we're living to the rhythm of a swipe rather than the rhythm that God established. For some, it actually means saying, I'm going to reduce or I'm going to cease working so much. I'm actually going to let that promotion go past me. Because as much as I would love it because it would give me more people to be the boss of, I need to say, you know what, those that flog seven days a week, you, you have it. Because I know I need to reduce it to feed my soul. I need to know that if I take that, then I won't be able to gather with my family on a Sunday. I won't be able to gather with my family throughout the week. I know that my life, my soul will be starved. And as hard as it is, I need to let that go. You need to find in your life those moments where you can be instead of do. We're called human beings, aren't we? Not human doings. Having that moment where we can just be with God, be with each other, have our souls fed. Layla, can you just come up and start to play for us? Is that okay? You're taking a Sabbath. Take a Sabbath while you strum your guitar. <laughs> So I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm thinking, how do I end this rambling talk? Uh, I hope there's some stuff in there that has, uh, has, has helped you this morning. No, I'm just going to leave it there. I hope there's some stuff in there. No three points all beginning with the same letter, but maybe I'll do better next week. I just wondered, as I'm finishing this talk, I was just, uh, uh, I was reminded of something I read when I was preparing the, the previous week. So two weeks ago when I did week six of this series, which was Access to God access to dad and I, I was reading Leviticus 16 that book that we spend so much of our devotional time in and just can just really love and are passionate about and um, I'm reading Leviticus 16 uh, and I was doing it for the access to God uh, talk and I got to a part of Leviticus 16 and it's verse uh, verse 31 and it says this of the day of atonement Do you remember I was talking about the day of atonement for those that weren't here, we'll go through it in a second. But it says of the Day of Atonement, it's a day of Sabbath rest. Now, the Day of Atonement was this high holy day. It's called Yom Kippur now. And it's, it's this high holy day when the nation of Israel would gather and God was dealing with the sins of the whole camp. And he was saying, what you need to do is on this day, you're gonna, the high priest is going to come and he's going to sacrifice a bull for himself. And then there's going to be these two goats. And one of them you're going you're gonna to sacrifice and you're going to take the blood and you're going to go through into the room that you're only allowed in one man once a year into one room. And you're going to sprinkle the blood on that mercy seat in that, in that place where God's presence resides. And then you're going to come out and, and you're going to put your bloodied hands on that other goat and the shepherd's going to lead it out of the camp. And it's a picture of your, of your sins being removed from the camp. And it says of this day, in verse 31 of Exodus 16, it's a day of Sabbath rest. Now that struck me. It's like, wow. So we've got the Sabbath anyway, seven, one day in every six. But this is also a Sabbath. And so I went back to the original language and it says in the Hebrew, it says this. It says, this day is a day of Sabbath, Sabbaths. This day is a day of Sabbath, Sabbaths. This would be a day of complete rest because this is a picture of what man could never do on your own. It is a picture of God taking away your sins that you could never do. You cannot earn it. You do not deserve it. You cannot strive for it. You can never accomplish it. This is a Sabbath of Sabbaths, people. 
And so I'm pondering that and I'm reading it and I'm going, how does that link with the end of this talk? What, uh, there's a Sabbath in there. And we're talking about Sabbath rest. And I'm reflecting on the Sabbath of Sabbath, this day of atonement, and it strikes me that the picture that that day represents was the cross of Christ. When his hands were nailed to that cross and his side was pierced and his blood was shed so we could know complete rest because of his completed work. And so I'm thinking every last Sunday of the month we have communion. I'm actually going to shift it. I think we need to have it the first Sunday of every month. So our lives are lived out of his completed work. And it strikes me, do you know what this table is? This communion table that we gather around is a Sabbath table. That day was a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And this table is a Sabbath table as we gather around and we remember what he has done. And it is a table that you cannot come to because of the amount of hours you've worked this week. It is not a table that you can gather around because you've managed to accomplish more than everybody else in the room. You're invited to this table because of what he has done. You can rest at this table because of what he has done. That his body was broken for us and his blood was shed. That we could know for the whole of our lives, the minute minute we accept what he has done by faith, that we take on his yoke, his burden, which is easy and light, which is restful for our souls. We can know Sabbath rest. Because he has carried our sins away from our camp not just into the wilderness but as far as the east is from the west and that's why we're called to remember Jesus says do this as often as you as you meet in remembrance of me and we remember what he has done but for those that are astute there's an episode three that's going to come and we can remember what he's going to do in episode three as we will come to a day where we will cease forever from our work. In Revelation 22 verse 3, it tells us, no longer will there be any curse. This curse is is referencing, there's a few scriptural references, but the one that comes directly to mind is when God curses the ground. When Adam and Eve eat that fruit, they're told not to eat, and God curses the ground and says, forever you will toil in your work and you will toil in your relationships. That curse will come to an end. But there's a day when no longer will it be endless sweat toiling for our work that ultimately won't last. It goes on to say the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. It's no longer about our work anymore. It's about him. And we will serve him. We will minister to him. We will worship him. Everything we do will bring full glory to God. Our whole existence, the whole state of of where we find ourselves in eternity, the art, the food, the music, our family, our workplaces, it will all be to serve and glorify him. So as we gather around this table, we remember. We remember the God who was who from the very beginning revealed his plan to make a way for humanity to know true rest. We remember the God who is, that through Jesus we find that rest in all that he has done for us. And we remember the God who is to come, that one day we will have lasting value and purpose in all that we do as we worship him as his eternal family. As a church, I want to invite you to come forward, to come forward and, and celebrate communion, to celebrate all that he has done for us. 
For some of you, you may need to, may need to actually just cease while you take communion. To just stop. Just remember. And just say, God, this is a Sabbath table for a Sabbath moment. I know I cannot be here because of what I have done, but all because of what you have done. And if you come up and you want to receive some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe, maybe for you, nothing short of a commandment from God is going to cause you to stop. And you just need to stand with someone and pray and say, God, will you teach me what it is to cease in all that you've done? Maybe, maybe you need prayer for healing. Maybe you need to know the assurance of what Jesus has done. Just invite you forward now as, as Layla leads us in a song just to come and receive communion, just to celebrate communion and receive prayer if you'd like to. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son, God in human form, fully man, fully God, and he lived the life that we could never live and he died the death that we deserved, that his body was broken and his blood was shed. And in this moment, we can come around this Sabbath table and know the rest of your completed work. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, you come forward.